That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? To uh, a new season of Avatar in our podcast. And of course, not a new, new season, folks. We're not talking about a season four. Gosh, wouldn't that be awesome? I know. I wish. Actually, I had this conversation with someone yesterday uh, while we were visiting our lovely restricted section friends and the extended network. They, One of our friends was talking about how they are also an Avatar fan. And they... We're just like, we wish we had that season four. Wouldn't a season four be nice? I'm like, you know what? Avatar Studios holding up the weight of the world right now in terms of fan <laughs> expectations. But I have Because faith. we've we've jumped ship from the, the Netflix show, let's be honest. It's gone. It's gone. If worst but worst case scenario, it makes really good trash fire content for our Patreon. That's right. Hey, um, babe, I don't know if I don't know if this laid-back, uh, lackadaisical conversation has uh, made you aware or not, but uh, we're back for another season! <laughs> Holy Say shit! What? I was just so caught up in enjoying our conversation with you. I know! It's a whole other season of our show. Wow, new season of Avatar, like, new show of our podcast. New for us. If I haven't seen it, it's new to me. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we've seen we've all not all of us not all our listeners but i you and i have both seen this season of avatar before oh yeah but it feels like the first time feels like the very first time yeah um you know hopefully like new season new bits yeah. New audio, new intro. Say what? <coughs> Baby, we're back. Yeah, I know, folks. This is so long. Um, my first and foremost goal, besides doing some re- real deserved R and R, taking time to develop some other hobbies that we enjoy as much as we love this podcast. Uh, yeah, so besides getting some new hobbies, R&R, and getting some us time, uh, was also to, uh, reflect and get some goals for the podcast in order. Yeah, yeah. And- Just like how Jin Sakai, like, has to sometimes reflect on what he's done in, um, Ghost of Tsushima, I mean Whisper Horse. Yeah, go on a nice hot spring. Yeah, or we had to go raid another on- Mongol camp. Yeah, we had to sit under a tree and make some haikus. It was all so we could clear our mind and our bodies and that's right. Find the oneness with the pod, with the cabbage, and I had to make peace with the fact. That I'm watching Avatar on Netflix, and they've probably already ruined the live action. Let's be honest; it's not going to be good. Man, we're uh, we're two for two here in our terms of our or zero for two in our vote of of confidence for this new Netflix show, which may or yeah, may not yeah. become the next. Uh, just like there is no movie in Bossing Say, this may be there is no show in Bossing Say. There is, hey, this this is the in terms of casting. That's the one thing I'm. The casting it looks good. This is the first time that Avatar has ever been in live action, and it's important to get it right, in my opinion. My other goal in the off season, the main one for the pod, was not to lose followers on Twitter. 
uh, in between season one and two, that's kind An of... An admirable goal. Yeah, we just literally went... We went cold turkey. We did. We cut off all contact with the outside world, which was kind of necessary given some life things that were happening, and the world was literally on fire. Um, but world's on fire! How about yours? Uh, but that's not uh, the way I like it. Is. it and It is. Um, it's not the way I like it at all. I'm... I would, I would much prefer that the world not be on fire. Thank you. It was kind of boring at that point with COVID, but not yet because there was still lots happening. So we lost a lot of followers um, with not like interacting or doing anything in the, in the in between season one and two. But between season two and three, we had a whole new game plan and we actually like netted four followers. So I'm proud of us. Cabbage Patch, <laughs> I'm proud of y'all. You stuck with us. You had you held the faith and now we are going returning bigger and better than ever. Hell yeah, we're a huge podcast. The kind of podcast where we say like, "Hey, we gained four followers." And uh, other 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 podcaster twitters, "Oh, you mean like 4,000?" 4, we're like, "No." We're like, "Oh, 400." We're like, we're like <laughs> "Nah, nah, uh-uh. Uh-uh." 40 and we're like Mm-mm. four followers dude and those are some great four followers hello four two, followers three four <laughs> i mean we may have had probably new more than new, four new followers so thank you fans and for uh the people that unfollowed us well you know they're just gonna karma is real hey, and they're, hey, they're gonna choose to um i'm gonna you know, sing a song to them right now going to reflect the song that i sang about our podcast okay baby come back we're finally live on feed there was some <laughs> um uh told you folks so much more bits so we're gonna be back for this season i'm very excited we're gonna be every two weeks like usual we're gonna try to get some decent uh guests and we're gonna get some already cool guests from movie night crew and other places and it's going to be a great season, y'all. I'm excited to be here with you, and I'm happy that we're back. As much as I enjoyed our uh, sabbatical, our um, time off investigating ancient ruins with Indiana Jones, I'm glad that we're back and recording the show. I, mi- I, missed, I missed this. We hope that you all missed us just as much. So I think, uh, babe, what was the one other thing? So like before we jump into... This big ass, badass of an uh, doozy of an episode to start off, arguably the best season of the show. Um, what was one thing you did in the off season that you wanted to share, like the, the or like just the most burning thing that you have been wanting to share with the crew in this time? You're teeing me up to talk about Elden Ring. Oh no, I did it. I it's, played. Is, is this one? Did we just? This is. <laughs> why don't we name this one? It's Angry Horse. Yeah. Angry Horse, Robot Horse, Ghost uh, or Whisper. Horse Whisperer, Whisper or Whisper Horse, Horse, Horse Whisperer. Listen to me, Whisper Horse, and then Jazz Horse. As yeah. A callback hey, to... no, no, that's that's false advertising. If you put that on your resume, uh, that would be some false <laughs> advertisement. Hey, I I call the horse and it does what I say. I, I'm glad that so okay. I, I the the answer is Elden Ring. The answer is Angry Horse. I've been playing a lot of Elden Ring. Everyone, it's a great game. I'm not one of those like obnoxious FromSoft people that 
you know, is like, get good, scrub. But I'm also like, I believe in artistic integrity and artistic intent. And I do, I'm on, I'm, I think that there should be an easy mode in Dark Souls if FromSoft wants there to be. That's my stance. We actually have this conversation because I recall a, several months ago, way before we even thought that, because when this game app came out, Zach was like, oh, it's like available for pre-order for whatever. Yeah, and yeah, like I didn't know went it was back like and forth out. about whether or not he was actually going to buy the pre-order, <laughs> which like he never fucking does. And no, then- I wasn't going to pre-order it. <laughs> I think I found out that day that it was out, and I was like, "Hmm, you do were I so, buy it now?" You were looking into it, and you were like, "Oh my god, yeah. we can buy it now! It's on the pre-order." I just want to make it very clear to our listeners how much I detest the idea of pre-ordering a digital game. Like y'all's going to run out. It's whack. Okay, don't do it. <laughs> Um, save your money and use it to vote with if the game is shitty don't buy it um yeah i remember having this conversation though and a few months prior before the when the this game was just a twinkling in the eye <laughs> a twinkling in miyazaki's eye but you you were like oh easy mode Psh, nah like i like if because it was with Sakura, Sakura, their other really good game, which, Sekiro, yeah. which is arguably their hardest uh, game. And yeah, Sekiro, the game that I absolutely love that I've played probably less than a quarter of because I just am stuck on a wall. I, however, who will never play a Souls game ever, uh, was always like, well, that's why, because there is no like, I'm not asking for an easy mode. I'm just asking for, you know, a way to like make it like more approachable to base game players. And uh, Zag was your stack was very much like, well, uh, then that's that's part of the game. That's like the whole point of the game. <laughs> well, so I, okay, she's making me out to sound like a jerk here. I, no, you're I, not a jerk. I contest to the. I contest to the people's court of this podcast's listenership that I was more so trying to get across the idea that, like, difficulty sometimes is mechanically necessary to make an artistic vision that the creator wanted. If the creator wants the game to be hard enough and calculated enough that it takes the average person 20 to 30 hours to get through it, not because there's 20 to 30 hours of content, but because that content is so carefully designed that it takes that player. 20 to 30 hours to learn the mechanics necessary to beat the game. Then you put in some, some thing that like lowers out the health bars or whether it makes things easier or whatever, then people will blow through the game in six hours and they'll go, Oh, there wasn't any content when it's like they did put a lot of content in. They spent a lot of time focusing that difficulty curve and just adding in a second difficulty curve is like rebalancing the entire game from scratch all over again. It's a mess. That's all I was really trying to get at, but I understand how I come across that way. Anyway, Elden Ring is great. It's very, very diverse in how people can approach problems, and it is much more accessible, and uh, that is spoken volumes because it has sold over 12 million copies. I love this game. This is not a sponsored ad from uh, Bandai Namco. Uh, Miyazaki, uh, Miyazaki-sensei, uh, notice me. I love this game. It's great. It's uh, I can't sing its praises enough. You all already know this. If you've talked to anybody who has smelled this game's farts at all, they're like, oh my god, go buy this game right now. But it's very good. And if you've ever, like, longingly looked at Dark Souls from afar and went, that seems cool as hell, but I am just not that good at video games, then Elden Ring might be a great first step. Yeah, I actually, at first when I saw it was watching Zach play this, I was, like, not impressed. The graphics aren't the best. I mean, granted, we are running it on a PS4. It is on a PS4, which... The graphics weren't, like, 
mind-blowing. What I love about this game is most open-world games these days, they have this thing where, like, oh, let me open my map and look at an objective. There it is. It's got a little exclamation point, and it points directly to a thing. The developers are going, hey, we made content here. We made content here. Go go see that content. And then you can go around. It's, I, I think... Um, uh, James Stephanie Sterling referred to this phenomenon as like, maybe it was someone else. I don't remember. I'm not, it's not like an open world, so to speak. It's more like a golf course. You're like on a guided tour kind of around the, the open world. In this game now, they just give you a horse and they're like, well, just go find something to kill you. And then once it kills you, find go find some other weapon somewhere to cut its head off. Like, it's great. Uh, it's the, the I, I love the lack of direction. I love the sense of discovery you get from finding things. I think it's really fresh. It's just a really, really well-made game, and I'm super vibing with it. What did you do with your time off, babe? Honestly, did a lot of things, not as many things as I thought I should. I read a lot and want to continue to do so throughout this year. That's one thing. You've been on a read and storm, honestly. You've, like, chewed through a bunch of books since uh, last season. I did. I chewed through a lot. Um, I did not get through as nearly as I thought I would, which is always the case, however... Um, the one thing that I did read some of and like really spent a lot of time on was building a D&D world and, you know, was, was always the case, unfortunately, never have time to play enough D&D. Um, We've been playing lots of D&D, folks. We've been doing it for a hot minute and it's just great to get back in the swing of things. I'm loving it. It is. And, you know, so in the time that I was not we were not you were not playing in so t- tr- true piece of um advice for listeners the couple or the friend group that dm together stay together because they truly are a skill that is i think great for partners so zach is a player in my current dm campaign along with some other great people and then I'm and Alex in... is a player in mine. So yes, haven't always filled the time with just my world, like Palladia and all of the great things going on there. However, uh, what Zach's was two of our great friends who have also been on this show. Actually, all three of our friends that have been on this, like we're on in season two. Yeah, true. Charlie Mott's and Ethan were all looking to play. And we, we got together with these three. And I think Charlie at one point was, I was messaging with Charlie on Discord and they were like, here's, uh, hey, I've made, I made my fifth D&D character today just because I like making them because I've never played and I've always wanted to and I can't, I, and I, uh, all I can do is make characters. And I, and I heard this and it was like, um, it's like when Steven asks Pearl to teach him how to do something. I was just like, okay, fine. I'll DM for you. I can't, I can't stand you not having played D and D. So I whipped up this campaign. We got Mots on board. Ethan, Alex joined us and it's been a, it's been a rare and good time. Alex's campaign is like super awesome. And like, in depth and and world buildy and like expansive and feels like we can go anywhere and do anything and that's really really fucking cool and my it mine is more like a little bit more of a linear like monty python it what started campaign. as you know how it always is a quick couple yeah. three shot or short mini campaign See, has it's like the it's the it's it's the um it's the meme of of rick being like 
Let's go. In and out. 20 minutes adventure. <laughs> yeah. And it's that it's like it's like six months later. We always underestimate the length of time it's going to take my my our group who actually Tina from uh restricted section and Brooke, a friend of mine from uh grad school who has now just become part of also our extended MNCN network and Taylor from of the eldest gods they're all playing along with Zach in my campaign y'all were stuck in a dungeon for like what was meant to be baby's first D&D dungeon like three maybe max four like sessions to get y'all out of took much longer and well the the problem is like in in true D&D fashion right the time that our characters spent in this temple literally less than a day we were we've been there less than a day, I would say. Um, y'all, I would say like, yeah, or y'all may have like spent like over like it's several hours, right? But like, like yeah. less than a definitely, day, definitely yeah, less, less than, than a day, certainly less than two days. Yes, absolutely. It's been like because of D and D and scheduling and trying to get adults is like herding cats together to play D and D. Like it's like it feels like almost a half a year has gone by and. We're still in this dungeon, which is just the byproduct of having, you know, a session every month, maybe two, if we're lucky. <laughs> and it's like all the characters are like have little beards and they're like, oh, it's been so long. And the characters inside the game are just like, yeah, we just got here. <laughs> Time is weird, folks. I just saw the new Spider-Man movie. It was good. I thought it was good. I liked it. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's. We mentioned New Year for, like, the podcast, like, so, honestly, like, around this time every year, there's a lot going on. It's Zach and I's birthday within, like, four days of one another. It's, like, the birthday of the pod. Like, we came back, like, right before our two-year anniversary, which will be on uh for 20 2022 what up yeah so like we have a lot of great things in store for this season not just like uh for ourselves personally but for you know the show in general and we recognize this is the final season of avatar but certainly not the last season of cabbages so we really look forward to bigger and better guests and like really taking each episode deeper than we've gone before and and keeping y'all entertained and chuckling for years to come yeah and then also just like what the f- our children also decided to if you if in case people were wondering uh the in the off season one thing that did not happen is puck and phoebe have uh, not become any closer um but yeah so it's definitely and then also just what the future of this uh you know my cabbages as a whole has so stick around y'all we're excited for this ride and without further ado and with uh much excitement i'm zach i'm alex and this is my cabbages an avatar podcast
pretty good, right? That was pretty good. The new intro. Did you love it? Did you love it? Well, we loved it, but I want to hear from all of the listeners what they thought of it um, on Twitter. I don't want to, like, call attention to it directly after it. I know it, like, literally just played, but I just... It's a good... It's a bop. It's a jam. All right. What are we we working with, baby? So, this is book three, fire, chapter one, The Awakening. Oh, we're finally back talking about this show. I'm so excited. Let's get into it. You know, I was looking... Feels like a... You already did that. (laughs) You already did that bit. I was reading the other day... Well, I'm also trying as the weather and it's springtime, like leaves are coming on the trees. It's a rebirth of the earth. And just like after a, we just finished book earth to earth. Uh, things are not ending as you would think they were. Um, I think a rebirth is something that still is a little far away is coming or in the process of happening. Uh, but before there can be re- be rebirth, there has to be pain. And we definitely get that in this opening um, episode. But there's still a very good, I think, lens of hope that especially Katara lends and us as listeners, as much as the world is on fire and the avatar for the most part people think the avatar is dead the fire nation is gonna reign supreme i would like to probably um compare this to rithwi rebirth just like before planting and all of that like a lot of you know native or just other cultures like or just people that in agriculture like around the world for not centuries but like thousands of years have known that if you systematically like burn down a forest or an area of land that is overgrown and let it just like control the burn, the soil afterwards will be really rich with nutrients. And the things that used to live there will actually grow back faster, stronger and healthier probably than the things that lived there before. So it's, I'm always crazy when I visit like California or other areas that like experience native wildfires. Like it surprises me how quickly things grow back. Yeah. It's really impressive. The, how the resilience. And so that I think is part of the rebirth, right? It's like a Phoenix, Rising from the ashes. What you're saying is like thematically the 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 element of the book also works because it's like fire burns and regrows. Yeah, and fire that's like well, that's re- rebirths things. It does, and I think you know that's something that Zuko is also going to come to terms yeah. with. Aang's going to have to come to terms with it. As our characters are all at their lowest point, like their lowest lowest point. And Zuko is riding high. He's like back in his kingdom, like with his dad. But I think, I think on some level, Zuko's at his lowest point too. He's definitely not feeling. He's just betrayed the only person who has ever unconditionally loved him. Well, see, I don't think Zuko realizes he's, he's, he doesn't think he should, he definitely shouldn't feel his at his lowest, right? He got everything he supposedly 
ever wanted. Oh, I don't think he's come to terms with it. No. But I think that, that it, he will. Right. But. I mean, well, I mean, we know he will. The Spoilers. moment that's supposed to, like, everything he's worked for, everything, just as Iroh had said towards the end of season two, right? Before he betrayed, before Zuko betrayed Iroh, is that, you know, you have to figure out what you want. Because right. everything in your life, someone else has always told you, this is what you want or what you should do with and expect out of life. This is what you are meant for. And the only way you're going to derive value and meaning is if you do this thing. And, and now that Zuko has that, right, he has been, he's out of banishment more, even not even capturing the avatar. The avatar is dead and he is worshiped just like he like and takes you know his seat as like the rightful heir to the uh, lord ozai and the fire nation and it's just but you can tell throughout this entire episode that he is also um he's not quite suffering the case of character development that he did last season that caused him so much anguish but yeah, he's he's not enjoying it like he or it's not feeling it's not sitting like it should. You'd think that after like like puking up all that bile inside of him that like it would work the other way around, right? That like, going right back on his principles would also like send him into a fit of sicknesses. So I really think that what I think is going to be a theme that carries throughout this season, you know, it's a new not just a new season, but a whole new element. Aang is going to go down down his journey where he learns to firebend, where he, like, the last place we left fire for Aang was, like, the episode with, um you know, oh, the yeah. Firemaster when they were out in the woods and um, Aang sought out this master, uh, Zhang Zhang, when Aang is trying to learn firebending, like, on speedrun mode and realizes, like, the power <laughs> that comes with it, um, you know. He found, it, he found an exploit. He's going to try to, he's going to try to, like, like, beat this game, like, really quickly. Yeah, and he so much loves, uh, he learns with great power comes great responsibility because he also injures Katara and now never wants to wield this this said power you gotta you gotta say it in a way that makes sure that like everybody knows that you said it like mug at the camera and be like hey i said it i said the thing i said the thing because (laughs) with great power comes great responsibility like the music swells like um yeah edit the shit out of that you're welcome (laughs) Yeah, so I think with this, where Aang is also, and we we do get a nice duology throughout this episode, which we can go into. Um, but I think Aang we'll is there, also we'll coming to there. terms. Like we're setting the stage for this new chapter, this new element. Last time, like it's it's literally Zuko's element. He is in his element at home and is feeling anything but comfortable. And yeah. Aang is at his lowest. He's coming to terms with that the uh, the world thinks he's dead. He thinks he fails. He realizes he more than just lost bossing say. He, he the world thinks he's dead, and the avatar has failed yet again. And then the last time he tried to firebend, he swore it off for good. And we saw this too when he was going through like with 
the guru and the chakras like fire is something that he wants to never learn again but he's going to have to if he's gonna defeat the fire lord and like bring peace to the world peace world peace um so the start of this episode is basically like ang was uh was sick for a while and couldn't come to D D. He thought that everybody would like wait up for him and like maybe take a little hiatus or whatever, but it turns out they all started their own Discord and like have been playing D D like on their own for months and for like weeks now. And Ang's like, what the fuck? Like what's my character been doing? And the DM's like, Well, you've been um you've been in you've been in a coma. It's like lame. So that's kinda where we are right now. Ang wakes up and he's like Man. Last time on D D. He's like, I need someone to take a big exposition dump all over the place because I am lost. I need this exposition. Give me exposition. Nom nom nom. Yummy. I wanna eat it. Yeah. Everyone's been in that situation where they have the one player that can't join, and then you have to creatively come up with something for that player to do and it's usually not a problem but sometimes like for an extended period you have to get a little creative here and uh oh character coma that is like i think uh or you're you're, that's also the same um you know you've been playing whisper horse i've been playing not horse but it's uh rune factory 5 just came out i'm the farm sim life sim fan and my good friend uh bought this as a gift for me for my birthday it's been that's called animals anime stable horse there you go it's been great um really this is anime horse anime horse is actually so anime horse yeah and you can (laughs) actually ride animals in this game so that that scans i don't know if any of them are horse but it's the anime version of a horse so here we are and it's great um oh yeah literally the hook of this game is your character just opens uh, through a portal like they were uh, the multiverse spider-man and drop into a forest and then they save this girl and they show up to this town and they have amnesia and have no where the idea where the fuck they are so it's clearly a very very common <laughs> trope for not just D, but uh for cinema and literature at large and gets the whole like you wake up on an enemy ship like line from the dm and he's like oh shit there's fucking fire fire nation flags up everywhere i've been taken but why are there no guards i'm gonna go fight people and then like katara shows up and toff shows up and sokka's in a mask fire lord fire nation garb and ang is like oh my god what horrible parallel universe did i get transported to where all my friends are fire nation what is going on with this right now and um just before he goes down gonna pop then he collapses and passes out dun 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 uh we then cut to zuko it's zuko time we see zuko he's like kind of brooding on a cliff right and he's like uh i'm just i'm just brooding and like like may is like yo how, how what's up and instead of being like nothing he's like yeah, I'm just, like, going through a lot right now. Anyway, my therapist says that I should be... And, like, it just goes on and on and on. And May's like, yo, I was just trying to make small talk. It was, wasn't after your whole life story, my dude. Yeah, she's like, no, things are fine. I've never felt better, actually. Kiss. It walks away. 
Like, I know that, like, their ship grows throughout the show and also, like, has been explored a lot, like, off screen in, like, the comics and whatnot. But, like, yeah, this just, it doesn't do it for me. It's so, like, May is the character that Zuko was supposed to end up with, not the one he deserves. Yeah, because he's, I mean, she's, like. We all know it's Saga. Yeah, it's Sokka. It's so- I mean, we of course it's Sokka. Who else could it be? You know, Toph's there. Uh, we also see Hakoda and Bato of the Furry Tribe. Um, <laughs> yeah, honestly, everybody's here. All- it's like Sm- it's like Smash Bros. Ultimate. Everyone is here. Uh, all one hundred characters, and then at the very end, <laughs> when we're all just like ready for like to get the best like character of all time we're like oh my god who could it be well we already know they killed jet so it's not gonna be him oh we're gonna see like suki are we going to see uh are, are we gonna see are we one gonna of the s- swamp people are we gonna see sully from monsters inc like who knows it could be anyone um and it's just it's just uh it's sora sora yeah it's sora it's, it's wow Flo- floats down with the keyblade and it's like all right here I am, and everybody's like, oh, that's cool. No! No! Mario, why did you do this? Mario, why did you do this? It could have been anybody, Mario. Why him? Donald and Got Goofy it. show up, and immediately, like, they're like, are like, no, no, not today. Not this little shithead. Mario, no! And they and then Nickelodeon was immediately to the to the hold. Then Nickelodeon was immediately sued, and Avatar was canceled. This is the last episode, folks. Turns out, who knew? Copyright we took a big claims. long break. We took a big long break to get back to this one episode we were reviewing. Is Katara is like trying to heal Aang's back? She's trying to work with him with water. Um. Oh, like as a chiropractor. She's trying to. Yeah, she's trying her hand at chiropractics and. uh... So uh, Katara's trying to be a chiropractor, and it's going well until she finds this knot, and she, like, pulls on the wrong thing, and Aang's like, <gasps> like, flashes back, and, like, literally has, like, a traumatic episode, like, right there as she's trying to heal him. Um, she, she didn't just clear out the dam of all of his chakras, she just straight up, like, blasted it, and the whole wall of water just came and, like, swept the town out and everything. It was not good. And then Aang kind of realizes what happened. And what... Gee, what what happened, babe? What are, the, what are all the ways we could say what happened to Aang? Um, he, uh, he checked out of the Hotel of Life. He passed on to the other plane. He, um, uh, witnessed the end of a chapter he ascended to another realm he was gone he was down for the count he had lost he lost everything let's welcome to the new game show uh uh euphemisms for death this show absolutely cannot uh say the word death uh, they can't talk about it. They can't talk about characters dying. So, um, so Aang has to describe when he finally f- realizes what happened. He wasn't in a quote coma. He was straight up 
down with the sickness and <laughs> we're just gonna keep on keep on keeping on yeah he was taken care of and could not or it was for two weeks just was not responsive so like if it hadn't been for katara had not stepped in with the magical water from the north pole that had been blessed by a shaman yeah (laughs) um yeah it's i i'm sorry every single time i think of this water all i can think of is that scene from the water boy when he has like the the (laughs) magic water from some like iceberg in alaska or something and yeah so editing zach i'm sorry i know you don't want to look it up just just play the clip. Just please play the clip. There's water from a glacier in Alaska. It, it was blessed by a, an Eskimo medicine man. Thank you. New season, new goals. Um, yeah, so that's when he realizes he's been out and things are not not good, fam. Yeah, no, it's it's bad. Um, we get this clever little intro where like we cut to the fates. The old ladies that, like, used to follow Azula around, like, her entourage. I forgot what we called them back in the original episode, but, like... Uh, I'm just calling them the fates. Yeah, these ladies, they definitely, like, the only thing that they have going for them that's better is they each have their own set of eyeballs. But other than that, they (laughs) look like... Get that one up on on the fates. They have to, I mean, you know, women, especially in, like, Japan, live like their life expectancies are much longer so maybe that's what these women have you know going for them Uh, so they're like telling the they're like ah introducing the the, uh, azula the chaser of the and like use this this little like introduction as an excuse to like get right into the weeds of it like they they tell us the whole story of what happened, even though all these soldiers were probably fucking there for it. They probably know all of this stuff already. They're like, oh, they they brought down the walls of Ba Sing Se, and, and all this stuff happened while Aang was in a coma. I mean, like, away from the campaign. But yeah, I mean, we do get um, a good, like, while, while you were out recap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, Loads of shit happened. Lots of shit happened. And... Oh, and then Aang, he, is this where they come back and they tell him what happened? Yeah, yeah, it's like, Zuko shows up and he's like, like, all, you know, gold clad and like, everybody cheers and it's like, it's like the Emperor's son returning home. The prodigal son returns. Right, exactly. Uh, And people like, are losing their shit. They're, they're excited. Uh, We also, and this is when we switch back to Aang, because as I mentioned earlier, this whole episode is a duology, I think. Well, we get the whole Avengers crew assembles throughout the episode, and we get cameos for a lot of people, uh, except for Stan Lee. We do. <laughs> we don't. We don't get a little animated Stanley showing up in Avatar. God, that would be so trippy. Um, Freak me out. But he did it's the Cabbage Man. The Cabbage Man is Stanley. Oh my god, that's great. He do- there is a du- duology between Z- Zuko and Aang, where you know, as Aang quote unquote loses his honor, uh, it transitions from him then back to Aang. 
And we learn from their side. One thing I wanted to mention during this, like, whole while you were out on season two, um, is that there is some continuity. So while these late, these old ladies are called Lo and Lee, while they're giving their speech describing, like, how the Fire Nation took and invaded Bossing Say and were victorious, we, as the Fire Nation, like, the soldiers like march in and the tanks roll down the streets in a very like eerie yeah image um it's very jarring um while like there's definitely some like good feelings in this episode it's also like really heavy and without it's very heavy but it's all visual it we're we're showing not just telling here um but well, we're we're telling but we're telling with style because we're also like putting pictures right thing. so that's why i said we're showing and we're telling mm-hmm. um so we see as the fire nation soldiers are marching through the streets we see the um family that was in the serpents pass with ang and they're like the couple and the with the pregnant woman and uh when they give birth and ang is like oh my gosh this is like the perfect struggle the perfect thing and they named their baby hope and um they see the same family and the baby crying um we in the see streets. the same do we really yes. get the fuck out of here i didn't know that yeah it was a circumstance family she we dropped all... this news on me too folks i'm as i'm as surprised as you are well some of you are like well i knew that because i'm mega fan and we also see Jin appears um in the tea shop Jin is the girl um who had a crush on zuko right um we see her at the tea shop as they're invading so yeah it's like all these npcs that the party was introduced to to like flesh out the world they're in like are now endangered so like i I said the cameos from literally everyone are in this episode except for stan lee i wasn't wrong so that's where we are um and then we learn uh from the from the gang that even even though it's and this is where i think it's an interesting duology because where Aang feels like he's lost everything and we're seeing like how devastating it was to leave Bossing say it, it fell like the, it, like literally they're at their lowest point and but for them you know they're like oh it's fine like no this is great people think you're dead like we're able to disguise ourselves as a fire nation people aren't tracing us and trying to find us all the time we're able to plot we're able to really like do the work we need to to make this invasion happen and Sokka outlines this plan that he has you know the idea the plan guy has been working on and we're introduced to Hakoda and uh, Bato, uh, who are also on this ship, and we learn that Katara's being like, things aren't all Gucci with her and her dad. Um, there's definitely some resentment she's holding back. But overall, like, they're really hopeful about this plan and how they're going to, you know, plan, like, a small invasion, like, on a night when, or a day when they're least expecting it. Um, they're keeping it really small to, like, yeah. They're like, yeah, it's, listen, it's gonna be, like, a little brunch. It's gonna be, you know, uh, 10 or 20 people. Not a lot of people. We're gonna be in a courtyard. It's gonna be fine. It's gonna be low-key. It'll be great. But, and Aang's like, but the Earth King, like, what, like, the boss thing say fell, and he's like, oh no, the Earth King got out, he's good, rescue Bosco, <laughs> like, they're all- He's off, 
he's off exploring the world, you know, while his kingdom crumbles. Yeah, so who for, who, yeah, no, it's, everything's all good, fam. This is just a temporary setback, so it's just really interesting to see. It's all about, like, the frame, right? If you are seeing something in your life where it seems all hope is lost, you take the picture frame down, you put a new frame on it, and you hang it back on the wall and see what you get. Um, and then the last people that are part of this OC gang reunion is also we get the duke and and pipsqueak, and pipsqueak from yeah. jet's gang don't know what happened to longshot yeah yeah um, jet, jet and longshot left the 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 D discord and they haven't been around for a while so the, these other characters are like hey we'll we'll play in this campaign um they are slowly like i think picking up steam and so that's why i think yeah, the left the Discord. It's been awkward. So, like, you know, throughout the rest of this episode, we just see the things going on in the Fire Nation as Zuko returns and his impending meeting with his father, the Fire Lord, how things are going with Azula, and um, you know, we don't see Iroh at all this episode, who is framed yeah. as a traitor, and you know how Zuko is still very obviously conflicted. Like, did he? Did he do the right thing? Did he really, is the Avatar, like, really dead? And as, you know, he gets this moment where he's sitting on, uh, by a pond, the same pond that was in the flashback to the Zuko alone. Oh, yeah. Alone. We get a redemption for the turtle art, for the turtle ducks. Yeah. Do you want to, that was your episode, have, babe. Yeah. I have, I have some controversy to address. Some controversy that Time Lord Iroh kept right. me set the record me, straight. Kept me honest on. Okay, they it was not a rock that Zuko threw at this turtle duck. I think that would have killed it. Probably, it was the rest of the loaf of bread. It was still a big, heavy thing, and I still think Zuko it was a shit for it. But we get a nice little scene where they're still there, and the mama duck is at least a little more like charitable to Zuko. At least they got to eat the bread, maybe, after Zuko yeah. threw it at them. Even though b- bread is bad for ducks, and you should not feed it to them. Yeah, don't do not do that. No. It it just, it, it absorbs water and expands their stomach. It's, it's hey, they, they love cracked corn. You can get a bag of cracked corn for, like, peanuts. And then you just have a bunch of cracked corn, and when there's ducks, you can scoop some out and be like, here, get some cracked corn, and they love it. Our neighbors have ducks. The closest thing we're gonna get to turtle ducks, and they're super freaking cute. They're pretty cute. I'm calling the ladies. Yeah. Um. um but yeah, so... Zuko, uh, Azula comes up to Zuko, and she's like, she's like, hey, this is great. The Avatar's dead. Like, you're in good spirits with Dad. Like, this couldn't be better. As long as the Avatar is dead, right? She, like, gets right in his face. She's like, there's no way he could have survived, right? And then we get a very, like, leading flashback to the 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 Waterboy's special water. And it, it cuts back, and Zuko, like, shakes the image of uh, Adam Sandler out of his head, and he's like, no, there's no way. There's no way. And I was like, well, that's great. Uh, but she, I don't think she believes him. I think right at this exact second, she knows that he knows something. I was just thinking about this, and her insight check was oh, spot on. It was, a nat, it was a nat 20. Yeah, she, and like, the DM's basically like, you, you nat 20 it, and you don't even, you realize that not only is he lying, but you also don't, 
even like flinch. You don't you but you this entire time you just think he uh normally you would have to roll a separate persuasion check, but nah. The insight was just perfect. And so yeah. she was Knocked able she also just covered it up and it was like, Oh no, no, like okay, you're 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 telling the truth. There's no way possible way that the Avatar could have survived. That's that's fine. Like if you say that it's impossible, then so it so be it. Yeah, and Zuko's just like, Well, great. I think I think she bought it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Zuko is like thinking back to that moment in the cave with Katara and she's like, I saved this magical water. I, uh, you know, so in that moment that Zuko is just going to be like playing on loop for yeah, the next, yeah. like every, even every time he's alone with May, even though he know he feels like he shouldn't be. It's cutting back to that cave and we get the like Instagram, like twinkle filter, you know, of all the like light sources. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody knows what this twinkle filter is that I'm talking about. Makes everybody look like Edward fucking Cullen. The fairy filter, or the, the vampire yeah. filter. <laughs> yeah, the vampire filter. It's like it's just going to cut back to this cave with a vampire filter. It's just like, ah, oh, Katara. Um, so yeah, Zuko's like, great, that, that works out. Um, then we cut back and we get this awesome action scene. The first thing that happens is that the, they get, like, boarded. The, the gang gets boarded by Fire Nation folks, and they're like, well, um... Admiral Zhang said that we should we should be coming to here to give a shipment. They're like they're really they're really kidgy, but like <laughs> yeah, they they have the whole thing down. They lie about as well as Mats does when he's <laughs> playing as as uh his his bard Salazar. And then if he rolls and rolls well, then uh, the lie was great. It, it worked out great. But Mats himself is not very good at lying, so he's like. Uh yeah, it's um it, uh it's what they said. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah, that's one It's such a great campaign. It's one thing Bloody about months. yeah, one thing about D&D, you're able to play characters that you normally wouldn't, you normally wouldn't. um IRL and so pushing those boundaries and you know, the the gang clearly has this down to a science. Aang is just trying to like Oh my god, we have to attack, we have to do yeah. something. He like gets his glider and everything. And they're like, and yo, they're yo, like, yo, yo, slow your fucking please. roll. Please, like they go, they cover up Appa with a giant tarp, uh, which I still have questions about, but like, <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> What what is that? Hey, what's that over there? It's like, oh, um, we just have fifteen metric tons of bags of rice. It's a we're shipment. We're yeah. we're bringing in like cargo. Like we're supposed to like we're part of the Eastern Fleet. And like at first, it feels like <laughs> Hakoda and Bato have totally sold this. Yeah, like they're like, yeah, this is like you know they wow they've clearly given this before. All things are going fine, and then they're like, yeah, damn it, there's no like. Bato and and Dakota are very much relying on the like bureaucracy of the Fire Nation. They're hoping that all of this like paperwork gets, of course, lost in the shuffle. And they're just like, yeah, they just he just said to come this way. It's like huh, orders, am I right? And then they like are about to walk away. Yeah, but betting on their other guys like not wanting to file another report or like go through the whole inspection. They're just doing this for show because they know they'll never hear the end of it from 
uh, their upper higher ups if they they're not meeting at the end of the month they're not meeting their quotas for pulling over other Fire Nation ships like they're all supposed to be heading to like this invasion blah 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 well like you know they they almost get away with it too they almost get away with it and then yeah, they, they are walking across and like the the security guards the goons for the Fire Nation inform the captain they're like yeah yo uh uh admiral tang or what have you he's been on vacation like he's been on leave for the yeah. past couple he, weeks so like he, he would not he wouldn't have given that order and and as things are just about to go to shit of course we have toff with her supersonic hearing um and because she's the biggest boss babe and it's just like yo uh, things are going south. We gotta yeah, do something. Yeah, the jig is up. The fucking shit has hit the fan, everyone. Scooby, yeah. do the fuck out of this. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, like, he's like, God damn it, no one ever fucking CCs me on any of these work emails. What? Why doesn't anyone ever tell me anything? How the fuck am I supposed to know anything about my team if y'all don't keep me informed? And Toph's like, yo, he's bitching out his subordinate. We gotta fight. The first thing that happens is Katara... Katara has this like sick ass Kamina like like cloak on. It's like all she's missing is the is the spiky sunglasses. Just, like she looks like such a badass. Anyway, she makes this big bubble in water like that separates the boats from each other that I thought was so cool. That was what made me go like, hey, if you could waterbend, it'd be cool to have like a like a like a piracy campaign or like a heavy seas like a high seas campaign. Um yeah, honestly, you should have, and they allowed, um, uh, the swashbuckler and firearms, and oh my god, you, you allowed firearms in this campaign, and it's, get, things go south very quickly. Yeah, we get, uh, we get fireballs for brunch here. It turns out that the actual brunch that they're planning in a few weeks, well, this one's a little bit more fiery than they'd hoped for, because, you know, it's not the, it's not the eclipse yet. But, uh, the... The fireballs rain down, and it's uh, it's fireballs for brunch. It's raining now. Hallelujah! It's raining Amen. Uh, oh God! <laughs> uh, no, but it's it's fireballs. Uh, we're we're this is actually and this is perfect because the previous this is the second time we see Ang and the crew having to go through a fire nation uh blockade and the last episode that was fireballs for breakfast i don't even want to know i still have the question of what they're setting on fire um in these giant like oh, balls of shit. yeah goodness gracious great balls of fire like okay i'm gonna connect this back to the very first episode where katara is talking about how Sokka never cleans any of his clothes and, like his dirty socks and stuff I think that laundry is something that the Fire Nation just patently refuses to do. They make all new clothes every single time, and they bundle up all of their wretched, smelly laundry in balls and light them on fire and launch them into enemy camps. Oh my god, that is... But yeah, they also would just run out of clothes. But... They, they, they just make more. Like, the, the fashion industry is booming in the Fire Nation because they're just... They need oh new god. clothes all the time. That holds up, though. Like, the fast fashion industry. <laughs> they just, like, yeah, all yeah. get... Uh, that's a mood. All right. Well... <laughs> Turns out if Aang hadn't have toppled the Fire Nation, uh, it would have toppled itself due to uh, rampant capitalism. Well, really... 
really quickly, I, I wanted to mention this. The cloak on Katara, I know I said it was really cool, but like if you watch the scene and watch how she bends, we see that the cloak just does a great job of accentuating all of her forms, all of her poses. Like it swishes behind her when she makes big sweeping movements. Like I wonder if they did like a live thing for this. Oh, maybe. I wonder. It it was just a it was a great like punctuation on the end of her movement i thought this cloak was a really smart decision animation wise i also my question for you is like okay at this point like we already know that at the end of last season uh toff single-handedly taught herself how to waterbend like or not or no, no we learned like end of last season toff single-handedly taught herself to metal bend within the oh, course yeah. of a single episode and she yep. now she has like her supersonic hearing can also tell when like people are lying or when they're telling the truth we also know uh katara now with this i don't i think this cape was just a canonical or um you know a fashion choice which we have both approve of but yeah, yeah. her powers i mean when they like the tech that happens like that this fire nation has they send like this giant kind of like almost like something that would have been in um herman melville's novel like it is a giant harpoon gun that just like like harpoon some giant spear through the water and it launches itself like or latches itself onto the next ship and the ocean instantly starts pouring into yeah and then this hook opens up and they're not only attached to the other ship but it uh, rips a hole in the hull of the ship and like titanic style water just like starts flooding in and like katara is just without within this single breath like you know this is definitely combat where six six seconds around like she is able to just rip this harpoon uh out and ice is over the side of the ship patches the hole and i'm just like what level are these kids at like like we're starting season three out like katara straight up like she's ice bending like she's steam bends she able to create them some cover by like warping the water and like making the air really foggy with the steam from like the engines i'm just like fuck girl (laughs) yeah she's really like it's like the dm like gave them an off season and then they were like he was like uh it's gonna be a big time skip um take take three levels just take three levels assume you got a lot better because yeah everybody's performing at their a game and honestly if we were if we think back to season two i know it's been a minute but season two katara was also like god mode towards the end of it like, she, she was could, she definitely she after moved the waters of the ocean for sure after well she was able to do some of that at the beginning of like the first time we see her really bend against like the firebenders that take Aang hostage and from their village and or probably kills those guys, like this definitely drives up the Avatar team Avatar body count. I'm sure. Oh yeah. But oh yeah. Like she wasn't able to like master all like everything from steam to ice to like 
wa- like salt water, like everything in here. She is yeah, utilizing she's manipulating- every part of like water as an element. And shit, she'd be manipulating this water like out Al- like Edward Elric. Making steam. I'm I'm just I'm so proud of her. Yeah, it's it's really smart stuff. I mean, I don't even think level ten will do it. Like she I feel like if I if I was like a master bender and I spent all this time like learning all of these disciplines, like the where I would fail is I wouldn't be able to like in the moment know exactly what I need when I needed it. I would like have all these skills, but I'd be like, Oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't think to just like make a big steam smoke screen and get away. Like like when you're in the heat of it when you're in the moment that's when my body like fails me and i just go it just goes like no screw up screw up it's why i never do good at tournaments because when it comes right down to it and i have to sink or swim i i i sink sometimes that's why i like to do art because i can sit there and i can draw it and tweak it and change it until it's perfect and then i can put it out into the world after it's finished yay (laughs) the serpent's pass monster shows up fucking bonkers like erupts out of the water like a fucking gear yeah when we think all hope is lost like yeah like this dark souls boss just like erupts out of the water and we hear the music start pounding in you know comes in and so the health bar it's got three health bars as i mentioned like this shit oh my god if this okay what is the name of before before we get into my thing though what is the dark souls boss name of this monster Oh, the serpent? Yeah. Um, Samael the Wriggly One. Interesting. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Katoa Kraken of the Underdepths. Oh, Underdepths is good. That's a good word. That's a good Dark Souls word. Anyway, go on. What were you talking about? Um, We get a cameo from everyone but Stan Lee. Even, like, the serpent that comes back from certain stands is in this episode. So Yeah, we get, a, we get a real who's who of season two in this episode. We really do. You know, it's almost as if, like, we're, it was the Grammys several years ago, and everyone was hyped that, like, oh my god, NSYNC was totally going to reunite and they were going to do a live thing justin timberlake he was going to end his performance and gonna be better than the super bowl and you in sync would just come out here and like turns out oh they just came in for like 10 seconds of a hologram auto-tune um (laughs) that went nowhere and we were all super disappointed about it the next day yeah that's like (laughs) we're kind of getting to that point where it's like okay like who else like who do we actually want (laughs) to see like where is um where is grandma Wu? like how she doing or aunt Wu? how's she doing like how is her fortune telling business holding up like did that volcano ever erupt like What's going down? What about Grand Grand? How's Grand Grand holding it down in the the Southern Water Tribe? You know, how are all those kiddos doing that uh, Sokka was babysitting? Um, we don't see any of the Golden Girls except for like no. they're too like we see the two like really shitty aunts like Marge's sisters from The Simpsons. That's Lee and Lowe. Like they both sound like they've been smoke pa- like pack of cigarette smokers a day for the past like fifty years. Like yeah, nah. I- there are so many people here that they could have shown that they didn't, and yeah, we don't get any of the characters you really want to see. Um, 
the serpent just at- straight up attacks the oh, other ship. The serpent shows up and attacks the Fire Nation ship. Yeah, and leaves them, and they're like, okay, cool, and they can pass on. The serpent showed up, and they were all like, oh, great. And then Sokka was like, all right, listen, DM, okay? This is a bullshit encounter, and you know it. We're gonna get de- we're gonna get deaded six ways a Sunday if you let this keep going. And the DM was like, eh, "Yeah, this is the beginning of the session, and I really don't want to like sit there and and watch you guys like roll up new characters because you got a total fucking party kill." So uh, serpent attacks the Fire Nation ship, and and you get out fine. Saka's like, "Great, awesome, convenience." Yeah, and so the karma, whether or not you is what you would have called. Uh, this in this world, you know, the all of the good intentions that were put out into the world, uh, they come back. We're not done with the cameos yet, I promise. Just wait, just you wait. The rest of the Avengers are still assembling. Yeah, but uh, have your bingo cards ready. Yeah. Well, after the gang, they uh, they then are able to dock at like the next Fire Nation port. And they're trying to go for food. Aang's hungry, but, like, when they're like, oh, Sokka gives him a piece of cloth to cover up his arrow on his in his tattoos, Aang gets very defensive and is like, no, I I can't not be the Avatar. Like, or be like, like he firmly, like, takes his gliders. Like, there's there's no way. So then Hakatara is like, all right, let's hold back. Like, y'all go ahead. I'll join you. They have a conversation and... Aang is very clearly still, like, yeah, not letting this up. go. And yeah. um, Katara is trying to show him, you know, you're being too hard on yourself. Like, you know, this is for the best. And I promise, like, things are going to be better. And you just mm-hmm. have to go with this plan. It's all going to be for, it's not going to be for nothing. Like, we've been working really hard, like, while you were gone. Like The guru talks a lot about this, is that, like, Aang needs to detach his emotions from the situation. Because right now, all Aang cares about is feeding, feeding this need, this burning desire that he has to be useful. Yes, to, to save everyone. And, like, all he wants to do is quench that thirst and scratch that itch. And that is just cannot be his reaction to the situation. Because as all of his friends are saying, like, this is a strategic advantage. And we need to use every shred of strategic advantage we have because we don't have the numbers. We don't have the numbers. We need we need to attack this from any angle we can. And if that means you need to sit in a fucking room and look at a wall for the next six weeks so we can get our forces ready, then that's exactly what you have to do. And Aang is just unable to detach himself and, like, you know, accept the cold logic in this. He is just beside himself with, with guilt, with worry, with, with self-doubt and anger. And it's just, it's it's hard to watch because we feel for Aang. Aang, like, he has failed in all intents and purposes, and he's at his lowest point, and... Because he is defining his worth, again, based upon just, like... His usefulness. Well, not just his usefulness, but deriving his purpose and his honor from just what Zuko was, which is being told by other people by who interpret for this person what society expects from them and if they do not rise they have been given a great great power comes great responsibility and like he already fucked off it's almost like 
it's almost like that's a catchphrase that you said that like the audience will recognize. He, um, oh my god, all <laughs> you have to do every time we say that is go through every other uh, Spider-Man movie, like oh, uh, where they say the great and yeah. like get like one from Tobey Maguire, one from Andrew, Griffin, <laughs> one from uh, Tom Holland. Anyways, that's very good. So like they're basing their worth based upon what other people have interpreted for them what they should be deriving their uh, their status and their purpose from. And if you're not, and you know, this is just, I think, also a larger kind of like capitalist, Western, individualistic mentality, like that was a lens that was, you know, um, you know, not intentionally put on this. I think every you know, society struggles with putting pressure on individuals and them raising to a certain... Yeah, like Aang is a workaholic. Exactly. Um, And so it's like you aren't... If you're not living up to that worth, he was... He's already been gone for a hundred years. Like, he already feels like he this war started because yeah. of him. I think that also Aang is, like... He is in the rare position where he is his the biases that have been laid on him as a child right everybody has been telling him oh you're the savior you're gonna you're gonna solve all the world's problems you're gonna be everyone's everyone's the go-to you pick the right toys out and yeah you pick the right toys out so you're destined for greatness this is it this is what you were meant for unfortunately for ang that like he wasn't unable to like develop his own sense of self-worth because he came back to the world and all of the suffering and the pain and the the fear that everyone is experiencing has just reinforced this thing. It has just built onto it and like bolted into it. It bolted it into his identity. This idea that like I am nothing. If he's basically he's basically Louisa. We were meant to live for so much more. Have we lost ourselves? But I was thinking more of the line. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of uh, service. Yeah, no, you're so right. I think that's a great, great, um, yeah, that that is a really great, um, analogy, and... Oh, now I want to draw a picture of Louisa and Aang just hanging out, like, kicking it. You should for content purposes. Maybe I will. Alright. Aang feels his own failure. It's very visceral to him, and he says a line that we've heard all too often. He says, I need my honor back. So yeah, then we get a great match cut between Aang and Zuko, where like Aang is on one side of the screen, and it, it fades in to Zuko on the other side of the screen, like in the same position. Their faces are just kind of offset from each other. It's a really good method of like, they didn't match up the faces exactly, like they didn't make that comparison. The faces were offset intentionally, I think. It was meant to show, like, that these characters are very much sort of on the same personal journey, but they are on a different journey from the context of everyone else. Like, they're obviously on two very different paths right now. Yeah, and honestly, um, I really see a lot of yin and yang here, because... Mm -hmm. I think where, you know, the, this idea that these two concepts, these opposing forces, are they opposites? Yes, but they're also 
complementary they're interconnected and like even within light there is darkness and vice versa they can't exist without and they give rise to one another and i think that's exactly what is happening here between zuko and ang like they literally are each other's and not just for each other but this world this like you know this push and this pull this thing and this young force like well one one literally cannot at the in the beginning we thought that it was artificial right it's something that both of them had constructed um based mm-hmm. upon these faults um based on the expectations of others yeah of what these people in society had built up for them as playthings to just kind of like play along and oh it was the avatar and that in my honor that's based on you know, finding him and then all of these thing, other things will fall into place and everything will be right with the world. And like, we've starting to then realize it's more than just like something that they've constructed. So point, it actually does like ring true. Like what, like, you know, what may have been, it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point where like, there's literally something about the universe that has connected um these two individuals and yeah i I totally agree they both uh now have a scar uh Mm. from you know firebending and like what i think is interesting is zuko's while it was never meant to kill him uh it was definitely meant to caught be more more damaging more more impactful. impactful than death right yeah we see Ozai's face. It's his face, everybody. This has been a, um, like, Ozai is doing the, like, YouTuber thing where he's he's had his his persona be, like, a character, a cartoon character up on the screen. And it's like, oh, it's 50,000 subscribers. I'll show you my face. And then 50,000 came. And he's like, huh. All right, guys. Here you go. And he's honestly kind of a baby face. He's got a little little baby face going I on. I was surprised he didn't have more facial hair. Like, yeah, I don't know how I feel. I guess that is pointed. Like, maybe it was supposed to be a little bit of disappointment. Like, we see through all of, like, through the fire and the flames, like, respecting, like, this super metal, like, super buff, ripped dude, like. Or at the very least, a guy with dry skin. Yeah. All that fire all the time. <laughs> uh yeah it's um he's doing he clearly ozai is compensating for something i'm just gonna leave it at that because like in the movie we get a reveal like within two minutes and or uh, 20 minutes i don't know and it's like really it's not it's underwhelming but it's also like you know at the very least he was a very like imposing figure Whereas here, we've been waiting to see this face reveal for two years. It's like, oh, this is it. Okay, well, you know, now that it's out there, we can talk about it. Um, It's fine. Face is fine. It's a face. Well, I mean, we get the face reveal. And then, like, honestly, like, with Zuko finally gets what he has been anxious and waiting for this entire time. His reunion with good old daddy boy and at the very end he's like you know what i'm proud of you you like 
you know, turned in your uncle, you did everything right, you bossing say has fallen, and you even killed the Avatar. And uh, Zuko does, he gets a really great, not a persuasion check, I would say that he had probably a charisma saving throw here, because uh, he was able to just whip out nowhere like, oh, what have you heard? Like, and we learned that Azula told her dad all about everything and like how Zuko so valiantly killed the Avatar and gave him this credit and so like I don't know what else Azula has done I'm trying to think back like who else was there during this battle like obviously Iroh he's in prison no one's gonna believe his side of the story but like yeah no one's gonna believe a bunch of like fire grunt soldiers yeah but did they like kill them to like I'm sure I'm just trying to think of what else like who else was there that like witnessed the battle that Azula would have had to like you know because you know she's thought about these things like she didn't leave any other witnesses like she wants it to be like only herself either that or like she paid them off somehow she's doing something to um make sure that she her she has a contingency for her contingencies so yeah zuko's like there's no way that this was all just like charity that the guitar that uh azula just gave me this this win uh because that she would hate that so what's in it for her so he confronts her he finds her you know tweeting in her bed uh late at night she's um not wearing makeup yeah she's not wearing makeup she's like feeling cute might delete later and zuko's like why did you tell dad that i killed the avatar and we get the little insidious ploy here that azula reveals very coyly and cutely and she's like what i just wanted you to be to assuage your fears of a dad not accepting you i thought i'd give you credit yeah whatever azula's doing is obviously working right like even the intentionality of her like just planting a seed of doubt in his mind you know did i do this for the right reasons or um and is there like literally no hard feelings here or am i really fucking with you and like just having that that amount of doubt like she of course is sowing that and is not letting zuko rest so but she like she tips her hat towards the end she's like hey as long as he's really dead you got nothing to worry about. Unless he wasn't, and that'd be, like, super embarrassing for you. Then all of this shame would be directly on your head. Would be all your fault. Well, good thing it's not, and Aang is really dead, because uh, that won't happen now. And she, like, like sort of casually, like, just walks away. It's very insidious. Yeah. So, I, and, like, even without makeup, without all of her stuff, like, Azula is the, she's a badass queen who is i don't know it it makes me so hard to like slash hate her i know that's gonna bring all the azula stands out of twitter but so be it and uh i think she's a brilliantly written character but she's very hard to like i like her but i like her because she's so like insidious that like i think it's just her the quality of her writing i think is what makes me like her yeah uh that's the end for zuko that's where we leave zuko yeah that's where we leave zuko's arc um supposedly i'll the one thing i will uh end on that makes me question is how the fuck did like azula get a meeting with ozai before zuko did (laughs) i mean of course she's the favorite of course she was living with him all of these years while zuko was in exile but like well she probably had a debrief she probably had a debrief immediately when she yeah 
to base. Right, but why wasn't Zuko part of that, right? Like, Well, because Zuko was... I imagine Zuko... Like, all, like, you know the bureaucracy. Not all the paperwork had gone through. They hadn't crossed other T's and dotted all their I's yet. Avatar... The, then Aang invents parasailing. No, it's paragliding. No. Was it sail? Windsurfing, yeah, it's windsurfing. Yeah, that's windsurfing. Um, he, I don't think he does so. There's something on the wiki page that... Oh, uh, about windsurfing being already a thing in the world? Um, so... Aang's usage of a piece of driftwood to surf a large wave he created is identical to uh, Kurok's flashback where he is sewn surfing. Uh, he was the water tribe avatar that came, um, he came before Avatar Kyoshi. So, um, uh, that's according to the Wikipedia or the, the trivia page or something. Uh, so Aang didn't invent surfing, but he did maybe invent windsurfing. So Aang invented windsurfing. He's <laughs> sailing on his very cool Come surfboard. Sail away. Come sail away. And uh, I think he crashes, doesn't he? Um, no, he just runs out of energy. Like, well, first, like, we didn't talk about, like, why Aang left in the first place. And it's because he was, like, he couldn't, he was so overcome with, like, this unbearing weight that he, he was worthless and watching all of his, he had, like, the ultimate FOMO and just could not handle other, being dependent on other people. And so when he's supposed to be the one saving and already like all these people are like having he sees it as a lack because of him they're having to step up he's which is like honestly like you know a big moment of growth for ang because he takes away the agency and this is something you know he leaves katara is just completely devastated by it she comes out vents appearing on the surface to her father about how like can he see like how much he's hurting us like you know i she knows like he other people need him there's all this responsibility why would he just leave like that yeah like can he see that we need him too and it's clearly like hakoda's just like reading between the lines here is like you're mad at me this is about us too like isn't it and Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they have their own daddy, like, she gets out her daddy issues, like, they have their moment, and it is really, you know, hard, but also cathartic to see, because for Sokka, it was never hard, right? Sokka, like, when they had their little uh, mini reunion before the bossing say fell, um, he was so excited to see his father and everything was mm-hmm. Gucci Mane. But not with, like, it was much harder for Katara to, like, accept that. Um, yeah, definitely. So it's interesting to see that dichotomy as well. Um, but yeah, so Aang left and he literally uh, ran out of steam. Like, he couldn't keep going. Like, he ran out of energy. He uh, came across, like, another blockade and was able to, like, um swim under it using water bending but was like so out of breath like you know after it happened um yeah and he um basically trips on some cactus juice and uh starts seeing all these different spirits start floating around him and they're talking to him yeah you think the cameos were done 
Yep. We're not we're just what? getting started, fellas. Uh, we're we're not getting just getting started. We are we are almost done. Uh Roku Roku shows up and he's like, Ah dang, you'd have to clean up my messes. I made this big mess. I need you to clean it up. And you will. I believe you will, because well, I don't want to think about what'll happen if you don't. Yeah, we and see then, Roku and UA. And UA, yeah. And, you know, sh- I just realized, oh, it makes sense. Like, UA, you know, is as the, all- the moon, the ultimate waterbender, is obviously able to, you know, give Aang um, a little assistance here. Roku gave some assurance, like, hey, dude, this is not, the world's not on fire because I, I'm the firebender here. I'm the one that set it on fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you inherited my problems. You know, I just I just wish that Roku, like, I'm sorry, but Jen, like, or, um, or uh, Jen, not Gen Z, um, boomers have a lot to learn, or could learn a lot, rather, from Roku. He has the correct attitude for you know what no like this is not your problem like i mean it is it's become your problem because you're you have you have inherited it but i'm the world the world is on fire and at war because of things that i started or could not prevent things that my generation started we don't want to put that on individual people right it's not obviously not all boomers right um hashtag not all boomers but um but yeah i i I was speaking when i was thinking that way i was speaking i was saying i was saying what zook what roku was saying like he literally said like the world's at war like oh it's my problem okay yeah yeah you're right i was thought you were still uh comparing no so obviously not perfectly one-to-one with um but also this world is almost at war now so like it we were hoping you know, we're not going to get into that too much uh, on this podcast. However, um, yeah, th- uh, let's just say that when we started this podcast two years ago, uh, we were hoping to be a little bit different place than where we are now in yeah. the world at large. And you know what? Checked outside, looked out my window. Nope, still burning. Okay, well, might as well. Yeah, still this burning. is fine. This is like our the meme or our <laughs> logo has never been more apt. So it's evergreen. It's always going to be in season. Uh, I just want to take this little aside to talk about the fire uh, that is burning our world. Um, we stand with Ukraine. That's not a very unit. That's not a very crazy take. But I just wanted to put that out there. We stand with Ukraine. Yeah, and Russia is not the fire nation here. That's even giving them too much no, credit. Too much credit. Yeah. No. Russia. If the, are... if the fire nation had half of their like tanks abandoned on the side of the road, then maybe. Um. So I think that, and then with that, Ang returns to his friends. Yeah, his friends find him at, at the at the beaches of Firefest too. He just had to. He had to see it for himself. It turns out it's. It's another volcano eruption. It's actually on fire. It's not Pablo Escobar's island. It's much smaller. It never was, it turns out. Uh, They've been duped. False advertising. Yeah. How dare they? Aang gives up. Or Aang gives up his little, like, crusade and realizes he needs to, like, depend on his friends in this moment. And grows a little bit. And as a sign of his, like, willingness to move on, he stabs his glider into the, the mountain and it is then overtaken by lava and burnt. And it's a very, 
very powerful image. Um, and that's the last time we see Aang's original glider in the series for obvious mm-hmm. reasons. Yep. So, um, because he's not a wizard, he can't just wave his wand and r- repair. <laughs> Yeah, that's it, folks. We made it. We survived another. That that's all, folks. Hey, babe. Uh, I think it's uh, is it time for a certain something? I think it is. It's time for experience point. Uncle, do you realize what this means? I won't get to finish my game. Shouldn't there be a board or some pieces or something to jangle? I won Dungeons and Dragons, and it was advanced, evil, or maybe chaotic neutral. The Demogorgon. What <laughs> deep shit. Even shot my arrow. Ow! Well, there'd be penalties to her experience if she acted out of alignment. Yeah, welcome to the end of the show. If you're for, if you're the first time listening to us because you're checking us out for the first time, uh, we treat the show like a D and D podcast a lot, or we treat this D and D show like a D and D campaign a lot. That means we hand out experience points at the end for exceptional acts and exceptional fuck ups. We call it the crit fail and the crit success, and so does everybody else in the D and D community. Why don't you start us off, babe? So, I think we've already touched on some good hits and misses here. Uh, For me, I'm going to start with my uh, crit success, and that was, uh, to the surprise of no one, Azula's um, crazy insight roll. Yeah, her insight check was great. She she didn't even have to roll for that one. The, the, The DM's like, yeah, okay, this is like the one stat that you literally took every you dumped every one of your ability score points into this and uh you not only are proficient but you're also like expertly trained and just just yeah just you get advantage every time it does it just is rule breaking so i'm just gonna give you the 20 (laughs) great um mine is definitely mine is definitely katara kicking up a bunch of steam i thought that was really smart really really clever use of waterbending great role crush that d20 roll yeah i always go back and forth because for me i'm like oh i'm a firebender but i'm also a waterbender uh and you know when water and fire come together it makes steam but i guess yeah we've we talked about this on the episode with sean watson too uh with um our about the drill and it's like oh i guess it makes sense that katara can steam bend that's like a waterbender mm-hmm. thing not a firebender yeah. Um so How about your crit fail. You got a good crit fail. Um my fail is my fail is the writers. There's no Iro in this episode. Like they <laughs> had they Brutal. literally had a cameo Hardcore. from every single person that we and that makes me bum because like Aaron Ehas, I like his episodes despite like some of, you know, the IRL stuff. But like, you know, I think uh yeah, this was a missed opportunity here. Even if it was just like him like chilling in jail or like a reference to like I just feel like we could have like seeing Iroh come home in chains, like something crazy, right? To like show I think we get some of that next episode. We definitely get to see Iroh. Oh, like, we definitely get to see Iroh in jail and we get to uh meet our good friend uh Greg Baldwin. However, I just think of all of the uh, cameos we see in this episode, Iroh not being one of them. I'm just Kind of bummed about it. My... Yeah, what's yours, babe? My crit fail is uh, Aang in the very beginning. He comes up on the deck and they're all just like, Yo, Aang, we're, we're, we're us. And it's it's cool and you're cool. And you see Sakura in the mask and he freaks out. And they're like, why don't you roll me a constitution saving throw? 
And he rolls it, fucks it up royally, gets a natural one out like a light. And like, oh, you passed out again. He's like, again? I just spent fucking three weeks in a coma. This is bullshit. That's my crit one. That's my, my crit fail. Um, yeah. I mean, so that brings us full circle. And with that, um, we are so happy to be back. We, We're super excited, folks. It's going to be a great season. Thank you for sticking around. We wanted to have this first episode back to the classics, you know, just Zach and I. But we have just some the two of us. great guests in store for this season. So we cannot wait to uh, go down like the greatest story ever told uh, with y'all. And also, if you have not already, please consider subscribing to our Patreon and our awesome bonus content yeah we do we do a bonus episode once a month it's uh no pod and bossing say we pick show movies or properties that we wish didn't exist Ooh, uh we've so done many. some really good ones yeah some of the scarred us as children some that are like good movies but like don't show up the way that they need to uh it's been a fun time and and uh our patreon is teeny tiny and small so if you want to get on the ground floor and you definitely want to like be able to reach out to us and stuff. Hit up that Patreon; it's cool. Yeah. And if uh, you want, if you think you'd make a good guest for the show, uh, shoot us an email. Who knows? Yeah, we're always taking um, suggestions, and we don't have Emory. You know, we still have some prizes that we still have to work out. So, um, if you need, yeah, if you have ideas for content, guests, feedback on the show, or just want to tell us. How much you love us. Um, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can find us on Twitter at... On Twitter. At CabbageCast. Uh, in email. MyCabbageCast at gmail.com. And I think that's it. That's it. For now. Ooh. For now. Ooh. Guys, this has been great. I've had a blast. I'm going to continue to have a blast this season. Uh, we're so happy we're back. Also, you should check out uh, our outro music is by Jay Curtis. You can check him out on Instagram. He did our new intro. Yay. Our new intro is by Jay Curtis. He's great. Go check his stuff out. Link to his music can be found in the show notes. Um, yeah, you can also find him on Instagram at j.curtis, C-U-R-T-I-S dot music at um, on Instagram. All right, everybody. It was, uh, we're going to be back at you next time with another great episode of Avatar. Another decent episode of My Cabbages. Love you all to pieces. Bye. I'm and I'm Alex. Don't worry, My Cabbages. Goodbye. Peace and love. Two forbidden from one another. A war divides their people. And a mountain divides them. Why doesn't anyone ever tell me anything? That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network.